Hey there, it's Bonnie and welcome back to the Good Bones Real Estate Investing Podcast. And this week I am turning up the dial on the nerd meter. If you thought I geek out over the legal stuff, just wait until you hear me talk business friends, which is exactly what we're going to be doing in this episode. You know, taking the number of LLCs I own aside, I don't really think that's relevant. I see myself as running three basic types of businesses. I've got my law firm, which is largely in hibernation right now. I've got my rental business, and I've got this educational business that spits out free content like this podcast that you're listening to and paid programs like my courses, Landlord Scale School and Landlord Law School. But through nearly 10 years of part-time entrepreneurship and now about four and a half years of that being full-time entrepreneurship, I've seen a lot. I have failed a lot. And I've realized that some tried and true practices that I could actually carry over from business to business and ultimately create what is now multiple six-figure income sources for us to kind of flex and rely upon. And so one of those overarching principles that I've been able to kind of carry from business to business to business is this four-step scaling process that is the heart of my brand new Landlord Scale School program. It's what I've used to scale our rentals to multiple six figures. It's what I use to scale my law firm to multiple six figures. And of course, it's what I use inside of this business as well. And so the four-step process is designed not really just to help you scale, but really get your portfolio into this place where it can be scaled in the first place, right? And so the first step of this four-step scaling process that, that I use and I teach is about auditing. And whether you have one property or dozens of properties, you've got to get a lay of the land that you have. And this is something that I do in all of my businesses. Sometimes some things I'm looking at weekly, some things I'm looking at monthly, some things I'm looking at quarterly and annually. But the point is, is that I've always got my eyes on it and it's always being tracked. And so we're going to talk a little bit about three of these metrics that I think are really, really key to be auditing as a landlord. And so There's this guy, Peter Drucker, maybe you've heard of him, maybe you've read one of his books, I know I've shared them on my Instagram in the past, but long story short, the guy's an absolute management legend. Like, I don't know how many more people get cited as much as he does in uh, business places like the Harvard Business Review, I don't know if anyone else reads that for funsies on the side, but... He is uh, oft cited in the Harvard Business Review, and one of his most famous uh, sayings, or sayings that is at least commonly attributed to him, is this quote, what gets measured gets managed. And you may have heard of that, even if you've never heard of Peter Drucker. And so... It's this idea that if you're you know, tracking something, you know how it's performing, and ideally you'll then have an idea of how to manage it, or you'll notice when things go off the rails, which is why I kick off Scale School with this whole entire module on auditing your rental business, which may or may not sound sexy to you, unless you're a giant nerd like me and spreadsheets and workbooks sounds like your idea of a good time. I consider that probably some sort of tape A holdover behavior from like elementary school or something. But if you don't have an idea of what is going on in your business in like true quantifiable ways, then you're kind of just in this position of acting off of your gut instinct or your emotions. And look, I love I love using my gut to decide between options. I, you know, I believe in the power of the gut, but I 
don't like it so much to be the place where I come up with my options in the first place. I hope that makes sense. Like I like them to kind of, if I'm between two good options, I'll use my gut. I don't like using my gut or an emotional place to come up with the my choices to begin with. And so that's why inside of scale school, I kick off the program by walking my students through six different types of audits to really get a holistic look at not just the health of their businesses, but also where the opportunities are and what the next steps are for them, what the next best steps for them are. And so today I wanna talk about three of these things that you should be auditing, that you should be tracking, and they are expenses, CapEx, and time. And maybe I'll do another episode at some point on the three other audits But these are the three that I have found make the fastest impact on my life and my rental business. And so I wanted to dive into them into this podcast episode today. Plus, I think it's worth noting that there is this essentially a flaw in Drucker's what gets measured gets managed philosophy, right? Um, One of the critics of Drucker was this guy named V.F. Ridgway, whose criticism essentially boiled down to, like, if you're saying whatever gets measured gets managed, even if it's pointless, like we don't want to be doing a whole bunch of business work. And, you know, in my head, the English version of this criticism is like not everything that matters can be measured, right? And not everything that we can measure matters. And so just because we can measure it doesn't mean we should be. And if we can't measure it, that doesn't mean that it's not important. The classic example that I've talked about a lot of something that is really important, but is not necessarily captured in, say, your QuickBooks is lost income. How do you quantify like vacancy? How do you quantify um, paying extra in terms of, you know, your holding costs? That is not necessarily, you, you can't quantify the loss of money that you're making. You can quantify the expense. You're like, okay, I'm paying this much more in, you know, hard money expenses or whatever, but you're not able to as easily be able to say, well, this eviction cost me not just the cost of the attorney, it also cost me this much lost rent. Uh, That's not to say that you can't quantify it, but it's not as easily as just saying, oh, I'm going to hit export on my (laughs) QuickBooks and it's going to give me all of this data because that is that's how you get the full picture of things. And so I really want to keep that in mind as we're going through the audits is that some of this is, you know, very quantifiable, very exportable, but some of it requires you kind of take a step back and get that 10,000 foot view to be able to get the full picture. And so ultimately what we wanna be doing is tracking and scrutinizing and yes, measuring metrics that actually matter because doing busy work isn't in anybody's best interest. And if we're trying to get a streamlined and secure portfolio that is scalable, that's going to require us to kind of put the blinders on and not just track things for funsies, even if that is your version of funsies, um, like sometimes it can be for me. <laughs> but I had to really know when I was creating Scale School, really kind of get in the weeds of like, what is the fastest, most efficient way for you guys to get the lay of the land? And the six audits that I designed are designed to be known as KPIs, which again, a little bit of a management term here, key performance indicators. And these are things that when I track them, I can almost instantly 
know the health of my business, I can pick up on trends, and I can make smarter investing and management decisions. And perhaps most importantly, they don't require a lot of legwork. And so the first one, like I mentioned, is expenses. And most landlords I know do their bookkeeping periodically. And by bookkeeping, I usually just mean like categorizing their expenses inside of their QuickBooks accounts or Stessa accounts or Excel spreadsheet, like literally wherever you are tracking your expenses because you are tracking your expenses, right? Right? Okay, <laughs> we're gonna be moving forward under the presumption that you are very much tracking your expenses in terms of having some sort of dedicated space where your expenses are logged. But I'm also moving under the presumption that you're doing, all you're doing with these numbers is like, categorizing them until you submit it to your accountant at the end of the year for your taxes. And even then, your goal is probably just to minimize your tax bill and then pay whatever taxes that you need to. You're not really getting into the weeds, whether it's you know weekly or monthly or quarterly, looking at these numbers to see what's going on other than like how they affect your tax bill. And there's so, so much more data we can get from our expenses to make you not just a more profitable landlord, because we all want that, but also a better, stronger landlord, because once you get into the expenses, you can see a lot of opportunities for change and for improvement. And some of that is as simple as just seeing like how much you're spending on certain types of categories, like tech expenses or property management software. Um, And you can also track things like repairs and get them to be a bit more granular, like which was CapEx? What was a tenant issue? What was a turnover expense? What was, you know, just part of an initial rehab? Get granular with this stuff because that is where we're going to find the opportunities, but also the missed opportunities. And another thing I love to do when I get in the weeds with my expenses is starting to find patterns, starting to find like seasonal expenses and being able to kind of see like, oh, you know what? Every April is when I have to do all of my, you know, say landlord registration fees, or I've got a big, you know, CPA bill that comes up that month. Like, don't be surprised when that happens every single April. But unless you've kind of got the pulse on that, it will be a surprise like every single April. Even if you kind of know at the end of the year, well, my budget for, you know, all of these expenses, being able to create a more predictable budget of when this stuff is going to pop up, that way you can be more confident also like pulling cash out and paying yourself is huge. And it also connects to this next metric that I think we should all be tracking, which is our CapEx. Investors need to be tracking their CapEx. And sure, look, bigger pockets calculator told you to, you know, put 10% into reserves, but like until when? Like where does the limit exist? Do you need $10,000 in that account? $100,000 in that account? A million dollars? Like where do we stop? 10% until infinity? And I I honestly don't think most investors have thought about like the relationship of their CapEx reserves to their portfolio. Plus, layer on the, you know, asset protection risk of having a ton of cash just sitting in your business, plus the opportunity cost of not investing said cash that is just sitting around in your business. And suddenly that like 10%, you know, simple calculation doesn't feel so simple anymore, right? And so that brings me to, you know, another piece of this CapEx pie that I don't see a lot of landlords tracking is the actual age of their systems. I hear so often, I mean, I'm talking about literally almost Daily, I can find this in a Facebook group or even in, you know, my DMs. People are like, 
I was surprised by a sudden CapEx expense and I'm not making money. Or I didn't make a particular year because there was a cluster of CapEx expenses. And I'm like, wait, like this stuff should not be surprising, guys. We know what the average lifespan of a hot water heater is. We know what the average lifespan of a roof is, of an HVAC system. And especially if you're a local investor, if you're not long distance, but even if you are long distance, you should be able to get a sense of how this stuff is going, right? We're not turning our back on our property, sticking our head in the ground for a decade waiting for a problem to show up. So are you tracking that, right? Are you seeing when things are likely going to need a repair or a replacement and then budgeting for that? Because yes, I get there are CapEx surprises. There's floods, trees will fall on your property, trees will fall on your fence. Like, But most of this stuff, I'd say 95% of this stuff is predictable because everything will need to be repaired or replaced at some point. So let's start planning for it now. Let's start budgeting for it now and actually saying like, hey, look, I can see that maybe for five years I shouldn't have any big CapEx expenses, but come year six, seven, eight, it looks like I'm going to hit a whammy. Like I've got like (laughs) seven HVACs that are going to have to be replaced. And so maybe that means we have to be rebudgeting our CapEx expense. Is 10% going to get us there? Is it? And so also think about that stuff when you're putting out your offers. I see all too often people are like, it's a good deal. I can cash flow with 10% aside, but they've got, you know, a 15-year-old HVAC and a 12-year-old hot water heater. And in year two, both of them go and there goes all of the cash flow. So was that really, did you budget for that CapEx in the purchase? And getting really, really good at, the amortization and prediction of your CapEx expenses will make you so, so much more profitable and will also make you smarter in the due diligence process as you're going through the property purchase process. And then finally, the last thing I wanna talk about real quick that you need to be tracking is your time. And let me tell you as a lawyer, I have such a love-hate relationship with time tracking. After tracking my work in literally six minute increments, uh, I swore I would never do it again. I mean, it's the reason entirely why my firm was flat rate only. It was a special level of torture that I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy, but I do require it, not in six minute increments, but I do put this in to Landlord Scale School intentionally because as an entrepreneur, it is it is absolutely priceless. Like I would never want to bill a client hourly like that again, but I have seen the value of actually tracking my time and discovering like where I can find efficiencies, but also having these like come to Jesus reality check moments once or twice a year when I do these audits to be able to see like, where, where exactly is the time going? Because you think you have a sense to, of it, like internally, but most of the time we don't. We, we are huge time wasters as I feel like a society. <laughs> and so, you know, maybe if you have that like screen time notifier on your phone that like pops up for me, it's like every Sunday. I don't know if everyone gets it every Sunday to let you know like how much time you're actually on your phone. That kind of reality check, I, I truly feel like there's, you know, some weeks where I'm like, there's no way I was on my phone that much. There, There's no way, but the data doesn't lie. And the same thing comes when it comes to your rental business, right? It can feel like you are working endlessly on your rentals with like nothing to show for it, right? But when you actually sit down and track your time, you may realize you've only actually spent like a few meaningful hours in a month moving the ball forward and instead have maybe been stuck in the weeds or not really focusing on the next right steps or maybe you're... Zillow scrolling under the premise of it being like real estate investing, like, ooh, look at me, I'm spending time, you know, looking at Zillow, looking for deals. But like how many offers have actually come out of those hours of Zoom, Zillow doom scrolling? Is there maybe a better way 
to do this, uh, maybe a more time efficient way to do this. And so these I get are not comfortable questions to ask yourself and to reflect upon. But I have found also, you know, cliche as it is, through this discomfort that comes through periodic time auditing is the benefit is so grossly outweighed. And it's not just for that increased productivity, but for me, it's also like this increased life alignment that comes from like reprioritizing my time and figuring out like where I am in this zone of life and like how much time do I need to be putting all my investing to my other businesses, to my kids, to my husbands, to my friends. And yeah, this like attempt that I have (laughs) of having a hobby outside of being an investor. Um, Feel free to shoot me a DM if this, if you can relate to this, but I feel like being a real estate investor like was kind of my hobby in a sense like I defined it as like what I would do for fun like in many ways it is fun but in many ways it is also very much work um but I realized I need like an actual hobby that doesn't include looking at light fixtures on Home Depot for hours and hours on end um like something like a sport or gardening or an art class or whatever like I have in my head that I'm going to sign up for a pottery class um I actually found a place haven't signed up yet just because again I'm like so afraid to the do the time commitment, shoot me a DM, tell me, Bonnie, you're an idiot, sign up for the dang pottery class. But I think a lot of us can understand that like real estate investing can both be fun, but it's also work. (laughs) And being able to find that, you know, space for actual like personal fulfillment uh, is sometimes a little bit of a challenge. Uh, Guilty. I think we need to go to like real estate investors anonymous. But Now that we've done these audits, right, we're evaluating our expenses more critically, we're evaluating our CapEx, and we're getting under the, you know, the hood of the car. We're looking at the time, we're looking at it from like our life from the most high level standpoint to be able to make these shifts. Like the question is like, what comes next now? Okay, we we have all of this data, what do we do with it? And that's where like putting the CEO hat comes on. Everyone loves to talk about being the CEO and doing the top level work in your rental business. But like, what exactly is that? This is that. This is that moment, guys. <laughs> and so what I like to do is what's known as an AAR. I think I heard that first in like a military context, but I hear it a lot in the management spaces as well. And what an AAR stands for is an after action review. And during an AAR, you take a critical eye to the data and determine the next right steps for your business. Like maybe you're seeing that you've got a ton of money set aside for CapEx, like multiple down payments worth of reserves. Do you really need to keep setting 10% aside like the bigger pockets calculator is telling you to do? Or can you deploy that money elsewhere? Or maybe you're seeing that your time is being spent inordinately on sending out offers that aren't getting accepted. And so like, let's go, let's dive into that. Like, is there something wrong with your deal box? Is this like a market issue where the geographic area is hot and it's just not being investor friendly on the MLS level? Is it something where you can find off market deals? Or maybe like, are you totally overestimating your rehabs and you're just not putting out competitive offers because you're not really knowing how to do a good rehab estimate? And so if you are looking for support on this type of like decision-making, this is exactly what we do inside of Scale School. You can get my feedback and of course the feedback of the other landlords inside the program based on like your audit results or anything else that's going on in your investing business. Because if you're only doing the audits, you're really not completing the loop, right? I love a good Excel sheet as much as the next data nerd. Like it feels good. I love a color code. I love to make things bold. I love to outline all of the little cells. Like I love making a pretty Excel sheet. But 
you gotta take it to the next step of coming up with the action plans. You gotta turn that data into decision-making. And even if that action plan is just to throw more fuel on the fire of what you're already doing, like don't be afraid to commit to some piece of your rental business and say like, you know what, this is working, I need to do more of it. The whole thing, like your whole business doesn't always need to be under construction. You can have a piece that you're like, you know what, this is working and let me put my attention elsewhere. And plus that allows you to refocus your attention there, right? If you you know, can take your hand off of one piece, that allows you to refocus your energy elsewhere. Or, you know, just chill a little bit. Chill a little bit is okay. And like I said, trust me, I am telling myself this as much as I am telling you. But even if you're not taking action, you've got to be, um, or taking changes, I should say, you've got to be constantly tracking these metrics. Like you might be saying, hey, this, you know, this is working, I'm not changing anything. That doesn't mean don't stop tracking. You've got to continue the tracking because then you'll get a sense when things are off and that is priceless. It's like the work is being done for you as the CEO because like alarm bells can start going off for good or bad when things change trajectory, right? If something's not working and you're tracking, 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 then you see something change for the better. Like, oh, dang, like <laughs> what happened here? How do I keep on doing it? Or the reverse, you know, situation where something is working and then you get, you know, a major, you know, Maybe you have a negative cash flow month and you're like, holy crap, how did that happen? But if you had a bunch of reserves and you're making all of your payments, you may not even realize you had a negative cash flow month because you've got cash reserves. But by missing that, you're missing the opportunity to figure out what the heck happened in terms of your expenses. And so that means always, always be tracking. You don't always, always, always have to be changing. I hope that makes sense. And so if you're looking for more support and resources around treating your rentals like a business, I want to invite you to join my new free workshop that's all about scaling. And in this workshop, you'll learn my tried and true steps to scaling your portfolio, not just faster, but in a more sustainable way that, you know, doesn't create more work for you or, of course, you know, land you in legal hot water. Don't want that to happen. You can register at bonniegallum.com forward slash workshop and As a special bonus, workshop attendees are currently getting an exclusive discount to my brand new program, Landlord Scale School. So come on over and check it out. The link again is bonniegallum.com forward slash workshop, or you can head on over to the show notes right on your podcast player to see the link in the episode details. Next week on Good Bones, we are going to be talking all about what to do if you feel like you're in a rental rut. If you feel like your portfolio has plateaued, this episode is going to be for you. If you've been feeling like you've been treading water where you're at and you just, you can't break through the next level, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on this episode. Until then, I will see you here same time, same place next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Good Bones Real Estate Investing Podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast player to make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes. Now this lawyer's got to drop the fine print real quick. This podcast is educational and not intended to be legal tax or investing advice for you. Please speak with a local professional for specific advice unique to you and your situation. That's it for this episode. Bye for now.